You're about to listen to a message from the LifePoint Church, a warm and friendly home for the young at heart. Praise God. Good evening, church. Hello, everyone. Um, can you hear me? Can, yes, can I just get some confirmation? Video. Yes, we can. Okay, awesome, awesome, awesome. Um, thank you, everyone, for joining this evening. Um, what an honor and a privilege to again meet up with every one of us as we you know take time out to worship to encourage ourselves and to be blessed by god's word um i hope we're well i hope we're keeping safe uh the weather in the last few days i was asking some i was telling myself how many days has the clouds stored up all this rain that has fallen in the last uh, three days because it just seemed like a lot you know but um enjoy the weather god is good all the time um and thank you so much for joining this evening um let's just say a word of prayer before we dive into god's word this evening um father in the name of jesus we just want to bless you we thank you because you are awesome we acknowledge the fact that you are god in every season and circumstance of our lives and so we bless you for this we thank you father because nothing passes you without your knowing there's nothing that takes you by surprise and so for everyone on this call everyone that is not even able to make it at this time we know and we realize that you are in charge and in control of our lives and we ask father that you do what you you do best that you would you would fashion out your plan for our lives and that every single thing you have designed from the world go about each and every life on this call and outside of this call, that Father, in your strength, in your timing, that you will bring to pass in the mighty name of Jesus. We thank you for grace over your word today. I ask that you would take this word. Scripture says your word never comes back to you void, but that when it goes out, it goes out to perform the reason for which you sent it. So Lord, I ask that you would take your word. You would break it into many parts, that everyone will get a piece of your heart for them this evening in the mighty name of Jesus. I ask that you would heal broken hearts, strengthen the weak, and let your name in all things be glorified. For in Jesus' mighty name we've prayed. Amen. Amen. Um, so before I go on, I just want to first of all wish um, the fathers and the potential fathers um, on this call a happy Father's Day. Tomorrow is Father's Day. So please take out the time to you know, reach out to father figures in your life and let them know how much you appreciate and love them. Um, it's an honor, like I said before, and privilege to bring God's word briefly to us um, this evening. When Pastor Busela told me sometime last week that I would be bringing the word today, I started searching my heart and asking God what he wanted to tell his children. Um, okay. So give me a second. All right. So I started searching my heart and asking God what he wanted to tell his children. And the word joy, you know, came to mind. I wasn't really so surprised, though, because it's a topic that, you know, I've been pondering on for a little while, um, especially now in moments of uncertainty for most people on many levels. Um, plans that we started the year off haven't quite materialized the way we expected it. And just, you know, generally things have changed. And it's, I doubt that anyone, you know, would have foreseen that this is where we'll be at this point in time in the year 2020, you know. So I, I believe very strongly that God wants to remind us of this extremely important attribute of fruit of the Spirit. 
you know, sometimes, I mean, even up until a few months ago, when people say things like happiness is when something good or pleasant happens to you, but joy is deeper. You know, it's said that you can feel joy even when things are not pleasant. Pleasant. The truth is I, I used to struggle, you know, with that statement. Because in my mind, the word joy <clears throat> and happiness were synonymous. <clears throat> I used them interchangeably. And so to my mind, and based on my own definition of joy, if joy was an emotion similar to how I feel when I'm happy, which is usually triggered by things just going the way I planned it, you know, and wanted it, then how can I have that same emotion when things are not going as planned? How can I truly feel joy when my bank account is telling me I'm broke or almost broke? How can I truly feel joy when my salary has been, you know, has been halved or maybe quartered or something has been reduced in some to some percentage or the other? How can I truly feel joy when a loved one passes on? How how can I feel joy when things don't happen according to the plan and the agenda that I kind of had in my mind for how my life should go. Um, and so I, that's why the topic of joy has, you know, in the last few months has intrigued me. Um, particularly because I, particularly because I also went through my own, you know, dark period earlier this year while at school, um, my employers, most of you know, I was away from, from work for a year, but I was on a study leave. I still had some kind of contract with, my employers. And so earlier this year, they had reached out to me to say that there was a job opportunity that they felt I was well suited for and I should apply. So um, I wasn't even aware that this job, you know, existed onto the call. So it's not something I was looking for and searching for. So it took me by surprise, by surprise. But when I checked it out, checked out the job description, truly, truly, it was exciting. It was almost as if it was, you know, tailor-made for me, for my career at that point, for my family, the location, everything just seemed right and, you know, truly exciting. And I, I you know, immediately got into action because I, I like to do, you know, so I'm like, oh, wow, okay, so let's get this engine started. How do I start prepping a winner application pack? Because they weren't offering me the job on a platter of gold and saying it was mine. I just had to compete with other colleagues across the world. Um, so I spoke to sponsors, I spoke to mentors, I asked them to write me references. I also asked them to call the hiring manager who I'd never engaged with or encountered prior to that moment and just put in a good word for my candidacy. You know, I also had exploratory um, introductory calls with the hiring manager and everyone I knew would be on that interview panel. I was you know, dotting my eyes, crossing my T's, and just, you know, so, so excited, very excited, because I thought, this is it. You know, this is God just trying to bless me with an opportunity that I even, I couldn't have imagined, you know. And every time I spoke to people, um, it was green light all over. I had good reviews, good feedback, you know, my mentors, sponsors, everyone were just kind of stepping up and just being gracious and just, you know, doing their little bit to see that um, I got it because they felt I was qualified um, for that role. So I was certain this was all planned out for me by God. I prayed, I, I fasted, I praised, I envisioned success, you know. I, I did it all. And so the first, the first, um, first phase of the screening process happened and eventually, eventually I was 
one of the four shortlisted candidates across the world to interview for the job, which was to be the final stage. And so I prepped hard. Um, I had dry run prep sessions, you know. I, I wrote down my answers, pages and pages of answers to potential questions I thought would be asked. You know, I, I, I worked hard for it. And the interview, in my opinion, went well. Um, and I let them know in no terms, in no, I didn't mean was to say I could do this job and that I was qualified for it. Two weeks later, the hiring manager reached out to me and says, um, due to business exigencies, uh, we have withdrawn the job. The incumbent will be staying on and we're not reposting this job anytime soon. It went on to give me some feedback on my on the interview process and how I did. Um, there were some comments that I, you know, I struggled with, but all in all, I was devastated because this wasn't, you know, I had seen success. I had, I, on every level, I was certain this was God, you know, so I was devastated on many levels. I felt anger. I felt depression. I felt shame, shame because there were so many people who believed, you know, this was my next work adventure and who had, you know, written letters when I, I mean, it was, it's a process. These things are highly competed for. So when people stand behind you, they, they, they know what they're signing up for because, you know, they are fighting your cause and just trying to, you know, shout out your name outside of, you know, in addition to the noise. And so I felt shame because I thought I'd let all of these people who supported me down. Um, I also felt confused. Because like I said earlier, I was so certain that God had packaged this for me. And so that was a, a really dark, dark season and period for me. Um, thank God for the kind and constant encouragement from my husband and two of my friends slash colleagues who understood how draining this process had been up until that point. And to be honest, if there was any emotion that I felt, joy was very, very far from it. At least joy based on my definition of joy which, like I said earlier, used to equate to happiness, that feeling of, you know, things are, uh, are going according to plan, that feeling of just being happy and excited and just pleased with the circumstances and events of my life at that time. And so, um, like I said, joy was very, 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 very far from all of the emotions that I felt um, at that time. Um, I, I can't say that season was easy, you know, but it was an experience that led me to study some more about joy. And I started asking myself from a biblical standpoint, what does this joy truly mean? Because I am not sure that's what I'm feeling. And I, I kind of think that my definition of what it is may just be faulty. And so I started studying just a little about you know, joy from a biblical standpoint, listen to messages and, you know, read a few books. And so my insights is what I want to share um, this evening in the short time that, that I have. And I hope and trust that it would bless someone, that it would help someone see how much that they are still loved, regardless of the events and the circumstances of your life at this current time. So number one insight that I found out, and maybe it's not new to someone, but for me, I, I struggled with it earlier because I found out that joy is truly not a feeling, you know, and I say that with 
I pause, as I say, because I understand that because we are human beings and we have emotions, it's hard to interpret when you say joy is not a feeling. Okay, so if it's not a feeling, what is it? Am I supposed to be feeling the way I feel right now? Sad, depressed, you know? And so, so stay with me because I, I think I'm on a journey. Uh, so it's joy, it's, it's, it's more than a feeling. It's truly not a feeling because the more I studied scripture and, you know, listened to messages around this topic, it was, I just reasoned it through. It was clear to me that um, if joy is not a feeling and it is not based on the beautiful and exciting things happening in my life at that moment, then it had to be something more. Because Jesus would say in John 16, 33, in the KJV version, he would say, these things I have spoken unto you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. And I thought, again, this doesn't add up. How can you say in one phrase, in the world we would have tribulation, and then right after it you say, be of good cheer. How is it possible to be of good cheer when you're going through a trial, when you're going through what King James Version would call a tribulation or a testing time or a hard, hard time? It says be of good cheer. But I think that I have overcome the world is the active phrase in there. And I would unpack that as, as we go. And all of this is just based on you know, my reflection as I studied some more about joy. Because think about it, um, if we're only joyful when things go up, most of our lives will be sad and discontented. Because like you and I know, this life, many times than none, things don't go the way we planned. So, oh, I will leave university at 22. In my first two years, I should be a millionaire. Okay, I will work for a multinational for five years. By the time I'm 28, I should, you know, uh, be married. And then maybe we just chill for two years. And then in our 30s, we think about building a family. You know, we all have those kind of plans. But you and I know that life as we know it um, doesn't happen all the time according to these plans. Things happen that are not, that are, that are sometimes not even in the time space that we've hoped that they would happen. And so if our joy is based on the occurrence of all of these plans and things that make us happy and make us, you know, that are pleasant, so to speak, then that means this, our joy will be such a yo-yo kind of feeling. It means that we will be sad most times because, like I said, not all the time does life happen to us the way that we planned it. So, so joy really can't be just a feeling and it can't be based on the things that happen on the events of our lives, at least on the outside. So it has to be deeper than that. When John 10, 10 says the thief comes in order to steal and kill and destroy, the Amplified Version will say, I came that they may have and enjoy life. Enjoy life. This definition of life and God wanting us to enjoy it has to be anchored on a concept. This joy that we, that we want to have has to be anchored on a concept that is more than what you and I are going through in the moment. And so there's so many definitions. So I had to correct my definition of joy. And there are so many definitions. But the one that I loved the most in all of my search and study for, to try to understand more what joy meant, 
was one definition that um, was written by Kay Warren. She's the wife of Rick Warren, and most of us know him as the author of that very popular book, um, Purpose Driven Life, Purpose Driven Church. And they, they passed the Saddleback Church in the U.S. Now, if I may introduce Kay Warren to you, this is a woman who, at the time, she started fighting for um, people living with HIV AIDS. You know, she was an advocate for those living with HIV AIDS in her community at that time. She was diagnosed with cancer. And thank God, eventually she's healed. So she's a cancer survivor. But she would describe her experience as one that was truly painful because she wasn't responding to chemo. So she was usually and always very sick. That's her life. Kay Warren lost a son. Her son at age seven was diagnosed with mental illness and at 27 shot himself and killed himself. I don't know what is as bad as losing a child. You know, if from circumstances that in a sense could, was preventable, wasn't an accident or something, it was an intentional wrong act just because she had a son who had suffered mental illness for so long. But then she would write a book and call that book Choose Joy because happiness is not enough. And in her definition of joy, she would say joy is a settled assurance that God is in control of every detail of our lives. It is the quiet confidence that ultimately everything will be all right. And it's the determined three key verbs. It's the settled assurance. It's the quiet confidence that ultimately everything will be all right. And it's the determined choice. Joy is a choice to praise God in all things. The more I look, whatever it is, is that ultimate, is that ultimate confidence that everything will be all right? And you decide and choose to praise God in the midst of it all. Joy comes from connecting our internals to the eternal, which is God, so that we can understand the external. And that was how she summed it up. I'll say that again. Joy comes from connecting our in internal to the eternal, which is God, so that we can understand the external. So the question is, how have we come to accept, have we come to accept God's sovereignty over our lives? That's, I think, is a question that begs for an answer. Do we believe that truly all things are working together for our good? And so I want to speak to that person who is struggling right now right now with the events of your life, with the chapter of your life right now, God will have me tell you he's still writing your story. He knows the end, and he just wants you to rest. You know, think about, when I think about movie productions, it's very interesting because I was watching a series, and, you know, we, the um, viewers felt like somewhere midway, the direction of that series changed. And so the network producers were saying, oh, yes, one of the casts had to leave. And so they had to kill that character and rewrite the rest of the story for those left behind. Think about God. He's like that writer. So as your, as your life is acting out, he's, he's writing the story. So even when it looks like, oh my God, a major part of the storyline has changed from what it was, what we planned and thought it would be in the beginning, this writer is able to recraft that story so that in the end, you win. And so I want to speak to that person who is saying, I don't even know, my life seems to have moved so far from what I 
envisioned and thought. God is saying, I'm the one who is writing your story. This is just a chapter. What other lesson did I learn about joy? I learned that joy truly is, comes from seeing things from a different perspective. So that if we want to feel joy, we need to change our focus. We need to change what we are looking at. And Pastor Busala quoted this scripture. She was praying. Scripture that says in Hebrew, it says, Jesus, for the joy that was set ahead of him, endured the cross, despising the shame. I mean, if we look at that scripture, Jesus in the moment was suffering. He was, they had begged God, take this cup from me if it is your will. He was suffering. But he said that in that moment, he chose to set his joy, not on what he was going through, but what was lay ahead of him because he knew the outcome. He knew that in this moment, I'm suffering, but I know the end. And in the end, I win. At the end of all things, I'm given a name. I'm, I would arise and I'll be given a name that is above every other name. And at the mention of my name, every knee would bow and every tongue confess. He knew the end. And so in that moment, his joy wasn't set on what was happening in the now, the fact that he was going through the cross. In that moment, he chose to see differently. He chose to look at the outcome of the suffering. And because of that, he was able to endure the cross. So think about this. Joy is about seeing things differently. I didn't realize it at that time, but when my friends and my husband would call to encourage me when I was going through you know, the story that I told earlier, what they were trying to do was to help me see things differently. They were asking me to look at things from different lenses, to search for the supernatural purpose in spite of my pain. You know, Job will say, we know the story of Job and, and how he went through trials and, and, you know, it seemed like everything was taken from him. In fact, everything was taken from him. And God will eventually, at the end of the story, restore. Somewhere in the middle, I think in Job 23, Job will say, when he has tried me, I will come out as refined gold. When he has tried me, I will come out as refined gold. So even though in the moment, his, there was nothing about his current circumstance that was happy, joyful in the plan, you know, that was, that was exciting. He could anchor his joy on the outcome because he knew that at the end of it, he would come out as we find God. So I want you to change for everyone who is going through a difficult time in the moment and it feels you're going through a depressive state. You feel sad. You're unable to pick your life up from where it is now and move on, you know, in the strength that joy gives. Set your joy. Change the focus of your joy. Set your joy on the outcome. Set your joy not on what you're going through now, but on the outcome. Because you know in the end we win. Because all things work together for the good of those who, who know God and who trust in him. The Bible says, be of good cheer, because I have overcome. And that goes, takes me back to John 16, 33. That is why God can say, be of good cheer. He didn't say, be of good cheer, because in this world you have tribulation. No. He says, be of good cheer, because I have overcome. So your joy is on the outcome, not on the event that you are going through. And finally, two other lessons that I learned, you know, in that my season of pain and as I tried to unpack this concept of joy, I found out that there are two principal fees of joy. One is comparison. 
The other is anxiety. One is comparison and the other is anxiety. So these thieves, they keep us from seeing and celebrating what God is doing in our own lives, in our own lives, in your own life, in your own life at the very moment. What does comparison do? Comparison means we're always looking sideways. We're looking front. We're looking forward. We're looking backwards. We're asking what is happening to Johnny, what's happening to James, what's happening to Jumoke, what's going on in Felicia's life, what's going on in Dami's life, what's going on in Pastor David's life. When God wants you to be asking, what is happening in my own life? What is God doing in my life now? What is he trying to teach me in the moment, regardless of the circumstance I'm going through? So I found out that comparison is, short, is, is such a thief of joy. It's such a thief of joy. You know when the Bible says in Psalm 16, 11, it says, you will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. When we think about it, I want to say it again. But the scripture says, in God's presence is fullness of joy. In God's presence is fullness of joy. Think about it again. In God's presence is fullness of joy. How can you enjoy someone's presence when you are not present? How can you enjoy someone's presence? when you are not present. So where we go to receive joy is in God's presence. Presence. But how can we receive that joy in God's presence when we are not present, when we are not present, when we're focused on what is happening in every other person's life, when we are allowing social media to define the measurements and yardsticks by which you judge if you are making it or not, you know, how are we able to derive the joy that we need for the journey of our own lives, for our own race, when we are not present in that moment? And so comparison is a thief of joy, such a huge thief of joy. And the thing is that in this comparison trap, we just cannot win it. You know why? Because when scientists are trying to judge, judge a, are trying to, are trying to look at two scenarios and try to to judge some principles and processes one to another. One thing they try to ensure is that these two principles or processes or whatever it is that we are comparing are alike and similar in every way, in most ways, so that the results can be relied on. They want to create a level playing ground because you cannot compare two different things. And so think about it. You are comparing lives that are original, lives on different timescales, Lives with different purposes, lives with different directions as far as the calendar and agenda of God is concerned. And every time you make that comparison, that's why scripture will say every time we compare ourselves one to another, we are like fools because it doesn't make sense. There is no basis. There is no, there is no similarity on which you can compare someone's journey with another. You look at the season of your life and you compare with another season and God is saying, but, 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 but hey, that's another playbook I'm writing. Yours is a different playbook. Will you focus on this playbook with your life that I'm creating? So comparison is a thief. It's a a huge thief of joy. Another thief of joy, like I mentioned earlier, is anxiety. You know, anxiety is when we choose not to live in the moment. You know, I'm a planner by by nature. I mean, I I, want to see, okay, ah, 
the next four, three years, how about this, you know, how about that, you know, and all of that. The, the more I, you know, thought about joy, I found that like every time I stayed planning and thinking about the future and what I didn't have and what, you know, was um, missing in my life, uh, you know, especially based on what I thought I should be doing at this moment or what I think I should be doing in the future, I lost joy in the moment. I couldn't see the good that God was doing in this present moment. So one way to sustain our joy is to stay in the moment, live in the moment, celebrate what God is doing in your life in the moment. And as I, as I wrap up, I want to, I want to read Isaiah 53, 55 verse three. It says, I'll just read the first part. It says, I would give you the treasures of darkness and hidden riches of secret places. You know, we may be going through seasons of darkness, or someone here listening to me may be going through a dark time. But God says, even in that dark period, even in that season of your life where, you know, happiness is not what you would, it's not the emotion you would assign to this season of your life. He says, I would give you treasures of darkness. The way I see it is there are treasures in these dark places of our pain that God wants to show us if we will shift our focus on what is happening and around us or, or in us and ask God for treasures in these dark places. He says, I would give you hidden riches of secret places so that even when we go through seasons of our lives, there's something God wants us to know. There's, there's a character he wants to build. There's a new direction he wants to highlight to you. These are the treasures in dark places. In the treasures in the dark places of our pain. The treasures in the dark places of our disappointment. The treasures in the dark places of our heart. God is saying, I would give you. There are treasures. The thing is that they are hidden, so let me show it to you. If you will put your focus on me, if you would let your joy be on the fact that I, I am the one who is in control and sovereign over your life. I will show you, even in this season that you think is dark, I will show you that they are treasures. And so in conclusion, James 1 verse 2 will say, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience, and let patience have its perfect work. Flip it. It's not normal to look at trials and say, I should be happy about it and I should count it joy. But the Bible is saying, you know what? Trust me in this. Count it all joy. When things happen, when these trials happen, when life seems to, you know, seems to want to make you unhappy, when the events of your life are not according to plan, when things happen that you didn't even think of or could have imagined, it says, count it all joy. Because he want, God wants, to be, wants us to be settled in the assurance that he's got us. On this journey of life, he says, I've got you. Regardless of what happens, steady your emotions. Fix your eyes on me. Because I'm the author and I'm the perfecter of your faith. Every foundation on which joy is based that is not God will shake. Every foundation on which joy is based that is not on this eternal rock of ages that we serve, who doesn't change, who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Every foundation on which joy is based on, on a human being, on an event or something, will disappoint us. But God is saying, as I close, I want you to be settled. I want your emotion to be 
balanced. I want you to be settled in the assurance that I've got you in this journey of life. Whatever happens, I've got you. Nothing takes me by surprise. I am the writer of the book of your life. And I am the one who is writing. I will be the one to put the final full stop. But right now, what you see is a chapter. So drop the load of worry. Drop the load of anxiety. Come on to me. Oh, you are weary and a heavy laden. He says, I will give you rest. God wants us to live strong in joy. Let's pray. I want someone to just, you know, speak to God at this moment. I don't know what season of your life you're going through. I don't know. Um, I don't know what it is that is, you know, stealing your joy. I don't, I don't know what is challenging your faith in God, you know, but God knows. Honestly, God, God knows, God knows, God knows. And my heart goes out for someone who is, who is struggling at this point. And I feel like this word is for you. God is saying, I'm writing the story of your life. Let me, let me, let me write the story. Let me finish it. I am the, I'm the perfect writer. I've known the end from the beginning. So let me write the story. I want you to begin to ask God for strength. I want you to begin to say, God, I am sorry where my joy, I have fixed it on, on the externals of my life, on, on getting a husband, on, on being a mom, or having this kind of job, or this kind of friend, you know, this kind of car, whatever it is that I think, you know, will create joy in my life that is outside of you. Lord, I'm shifting my focus. I'm shifting my focus. I'm flipping it. And I'm saying, I'm turning my eyes and my attention on you. And I'm believing you and believing your word that all things, all things, whether I know it or don't know it, would work together for my good. Father, in the name of Jesus, we bless you. We honor you. We thank you. We, we appreciate you because you are the God. You are God, the author of our lives. We thank you because we are here because of you. And you are the one who is always making a way. You are the one who is always giving us pathways in the desert, giving us waters to drink, even in the desert. Lord, we bless you and we honor you. For everyone who has a heavy heart in this moment, for everyone who is, you know, thinking about their lives and just wondering what is the direction. Lord, tonight we ask, oh God, that you would you would lift us from that from that place of worry, from that place of anxiety, and that you would help us to begin to see the treasures in this pain. In the mighty name of Jesus, we ask that you would settle us in the knowledge that you are in charge and you are in control. And that everything about our lives, none of it takes you by surprise. I ask for strength for everyone who feels weary. I ask for strength for everyone who feels I have just about had it. I ask that you would renew us, you would renew us with a sense of strength that we could never have imagined in the mighty name of Jesus. I'm asking for a joy tank that is overflowing for every one of us, that the fruit of the spirit called joy will dwell in us in an unusual way, that people will see us and know that there's something unusual about us because it's only by your spirit that we remain joyful when circumstances around us don't speak or the, don't, don't say what, we, what people expected to say. Lord, we bless you and we honor you because you are king. We bless you and we honor you because you are God. And we know that it is well. We speak over everyone on this call and those who cannot make it. And we just decree your word. We decree scripture. And we say, it is well. For in Jesus' mighty name we have prayed. Amen. 
Thank you for listening to a message from the LifePoint Church. To download more free messages, please visit www.soundcloud.com forward slash LifePointNG.